we're right at the end of our month-long celebration of our Latinx heritage, even though it should be the whole year around. Um, we are at the very end of our of our month. And throughout the month, I've been speaking a lot about like the celebration of Latinidad on television and film. I've talked about the family on TV, Latinas and um, actresses that are making their mark right now. And I also suggested some family-friendly films for the little ones to start getting into our cultura and what it means to be part of this community. Today, I have a very special guest and we're gonna be discussing this year's big screen debut of the Latinx story in the Heights and the controversy that followed. Alyssa, tell us a little bit about yourself and we're gonna get into it right after, after you tell us a little bit. Hi, my name is... Alisa Reynoso Morris, um, formerly Alisa Ramos Reynoso, and I wear many hats. I am a mom, a wife, and I, by day, I'm out like making the world a better place as a chief of staff for my local state representative. So we do everything um, from organizing COVID clinics at the height of the pandemic when constituents couldn't get vaccinated anywhere else um, to organizing immigration clinics, um, basically sharing information about where you can get the, doc the information that you need with attorneys um, in our district to cleanups and shredding events and senior fairs and literally it's been nine months in the role and have organized over 20 events that cater to the needs of our constituents. Um, but when I'm not doing that, I am a children's book author and I'm excited. <laughs> um, I have three books coming out in 2023. Uh, the first one is called Platanos Are Love. Um, to my... Dominicanos and the African diaspora, we eat platanos and like for every meal almost. So um, it's a love story to platanos and it specifically features a little girl cooking with her grandmother and learning about her culture through making different recipes. Um, my second book is called Gloriana, Gloriana Presente and it's a first day of school book. And then my third one is called The Bronx is My Home. Um, and they're all coming out. They're all traditionally published. So the first one comes out with Simon and Schuster, and then the other two come out with Little Brown, um, which is under the Hatchet imprint. So stay tuned for that. You know, we got to support each other. So <laughs> I'll let you girl when that comes out. <laughs> I think that's like the perfect segue into what, what we will be discussing today. And I think that I, that's one of the main reasons why I kind of chose you to be part of this discussion because you are a storyteller. And I think that um, it's really, it's really great to talk to other like fellow movie goers, um, fellow uh, Broadway goers as well, because this was a play before and seeing it from like an audience perspective. And then there's the writer's perspective and like the storyteller part where there's a little bit of more of like a responsibility and, and this is why I kind of wanted to touch upon the responsibility of the people behind the screens to these really great productions that may be lacking in something. Let's start discussing a little bit about In the Heights. So back in June of this year, director John M. Chu that people know from Crazy Rich Asians 
cinematographer Alice Brooks and writer Lin-Manuel Miranda released In the Heights, an adaptation of the play by the same name written by um, Chiara Ale Alegria Hughes. And the music was by Miranda as well. So the film tells the story of Usnavi, played by Anthony Ramos, a young Dominican man living in the predominantly Latin neighborhood of Washington Heights in New York City. And as he spends his last days in the neighborhood before heading back to the Dominican Republic, we are treated to his neighbors, his familia, the folks that just like him came to the US with a little sueñito. So we meet um, uh, Daniela, who's a salon owner, I think uh, we meet Kevin who uh, owns his taxi company, Kevin's daughter, Nina, who leaves home to attend school, who, a school that's not very diverse. We meet Vanessa who's trying to leave actually um, the home to pursue fashion. And then we have Abuela Claudia who is everyone's grandmother. And the events leading up to the last day of him being in the barrio make him question many things, like many of us immigrants, um, and first-generation uh, folks here, where is home? And where am I really from? And where do I really belong? And am I Dominican enough? And am I, am I Latino enough um, to go back to DR, for example? Um, or am I American, too American now and, and I have to stay here and things like that? So the film grossed um, 11.5 million um, just on its opening weekend. And it to me, it was like a very emotional roller coaster seeing my own culture up on the big screen. I went with um, uh, Charlie, who uh, a lot of people know her. Uh, we did, we used to do the feminist tea party and she's actually the person who introduced me to you, Alisa. So um, I went with her and our friend Megan to, to watch the film and it was definitely, it was definitely, a, there was a lot of love there and we took pictures and we were so excited about it. Um, Charlie has a very um, connection to this uh, story because she saw the play. Megan lives in that community and I'm part of the community as well. And everything kind of came crushing down and like just like a couple of days and even, even a little bit at the very beginning of the film being released, when there was this huge controversy over the lack of Afro-Latinos in the film, particularly in the lead roles. And people spoke about it. And then Lin-Manuel Miranda also like issued an apology. Some of our favorite actors said certain things and we were like, whoa, um, and it was a lot. And before I continue on, I wanted to know what did you think of the film? And then what did you think of the controversy that followed it? For sure, for sure. So first, thank you so much for inviting me on. I was super excited when you reached out for, I mean, because this is what I love to talk about, right? Like <laughs> as, as an artist, but also as someone who considers herself on the front line of changing the discourse and changing the way that we do things in the world and trying to make it better and trying to make it more equitable, this is like nerd talk for me, right? So I'm really, really excited. So for me, I actually got to see the play on Broadway as well. And I before I even saw it on Broadway, because you know, tenía lo chele, right? Like <laughs> I had memorized the whole soundtrack. So I just like listened to the sound, like I bought the soundtrack and I just like listened to it back when there were CDs, tu sabes, before the live, before streaming, todo eso. And I just like would play it on loop because Nina 
what I was Nina, you know, like grew up in the Bronx. My grandmother was is from Washington Heights. So I spent most of my weekends in the Heights and to hear her story of like her being the one of the first, like the first one to go to college and the scholarships and like, that was me. That was my story. So to see that on screen was just like, well, on, in a play first was just like everything. Right. And then you have La Abuela, which is like my abuela. Like, again, I had memorized the whole soundtrack. So I knew what happened to the abuela. But when that scene happened, I don't need that little Kleenex because I, I lost my whole mind. You know, it was the first time that I got to see my story, my culture, my people, my flag, my language, my slang, my music, todo eso on stage. It just didn't exist, right? So when the movie came out, same, very similar sentiment. I was excited. I was over the moon thrilled. We, I have a little one, so made sure that she was good in bed and brought out some wine and some popcorn, watched it with, with, with the hubby. Like it was a date night, you know, like it was a whole thing. And I think seeing it and the changes that they made was really exciting. I love that they leaned into the dreamers and um, some of the choices that they made to make it more relevant, obviously taking out 45 out of any of the lyrics. Um, I thought they did a good job modernizing it without um, changing it too much so that the heart was still there. But like anything in art, not one person, not one group is going to get it all right. And I think for me, it's important to talk about this because that's the only way that we make things better, right? Hit Lynn's next big hit was is Hamilton, and that's what put him on the map for a lot of people that didn't watch, you know, in the Heights, that didn't know about it. And he's celebrating a revolutionary. If it wasn't for Hamilton and our founding fathers, which we put on pedestals, criticizing the way their status quo was, we wouldn't even be living in this country. You know what I mean? So for me, I think you, it was exciting to see our flag, to, to, to see it come to life in a way that I could share with my husband because he didn't get to see the play. Uh, I watched it probably like six times. And my daughter, my little one, she's two. She was like singing Respira. Like she says Respira all the time. She knows very little Spanish. That's my failing as a mother. <laughs> but she loves breathe. She's, she's two and she... I don't think she fully understands the context of the story, but she just, she knows what it means and how the, the soul and the heart that goes into it. So, I mean, I think it brought me great joy to see. Um, and I, 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 but I was along with, with every, with a lot of other people disappointed to not see more Afro-Latin representation, more Afro-Latinx representation. Um, but I don't think we should cancel it because it's it's important to be able, that's how we build on the canon, right? So that's there, that's out there in the world. How do we continue to make it more expansive, to make it a better representation? 
Definitely. And my, my struggle is that even throughout this entire, like I had planned out what I was going to do during the month and the shows that I'm going to be talking about and the television and, and the creators and things like that. And what I re I, I kind of felt like, oh my gosh, in my one of the, like in my part of the problem, because I do consume media that it's made by and for Latinos or, or Latinx uh, folks. And, um, and we're missing people. We're missing people. We're missing the marks in certain conversations. And then I started feeling a little bit guilty. Like I'm celebrating, but am I supposed to? Because to me, there's no such thing as progress if we leave someone behind. But then at the same time, I want to be, I want to be happy. <laughs> like I, I, I want to celebrate, but there's like this little there's something there's a little knot somewhere that tells me that there's something not right and that um you know folks in my own community friends that are my friends family members that maybe watch like that I'm promoting like oh yeah watch this show and support our community they don't see themselves they don't see they, they don't feel part of this community and it's sad and and I don't know, I've been having so much struggle and just how to be the a good ally to this marginalized community that, that's within our community. Because colorism exists everywhere. Like even um, the director, he actually got backlash from the Asian community for some of the portrayals in Crazy Rich Asians. So it is a thing, like every community has its own struggle. But they're very similar, and it's that that we don't accurately represent everyone. And I do want to say that a lot of people don't also know that when they're making these kinds of films, and for it to be this big, there were sacrifices that needed to be made, and they were, you know, I bet that they were probably a conversation or two that didn't come to fruition. And certain things that needed to be cut and certain things that needed to be modernized. But then I also go back to not even one person mentioned something. And throughout the film, I at least one of the things that I loved about just seeing like one of the little details was, um, I don't know if you remember, but Nina, her character, um, she goes, she comes in to the film with her hair very straight because she she goes to this like, you know, super like non-diverse college and 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 all that and then she sits in the in the salon and she doesn't finish her hair and she just kind of walks out and like for the rest of the film she has her little curls and um and I I know that probably other people didn't notice but I very noticed that and I liked it because that's our like that's a lot of people's hair and she could have just been had a blown out the whole entire time and they chose to do that I felt like that was very intentional. Um, I, yeah, I, would I don't know. It's it's hard. It's hard. Like, do you, and also like you as a mom now, like, where do you like celebrate, but also where do you interject and be like, ay, pero espérate que faltó. Yeah, I mean, so first let's talk a little bit about colorism. Um, when I studied, when I had the privilege of studying abroad in Tanzania, which is in East Africa. And then in India, when I was in college, um, 
I had such a hard time finding skincare products that didn't have skin whitening. So it's everywhere, right? It's in Latin culture. Growing up, literally, and this is why she was not invited to the wedding. Yo tenía tías que me decía a mí. They used to always tell me, ay, tú tienes pelo malo. They used to make me feel bad about my hair and my hair being curly. And same thing about my complexion. Ay, te tiene que casar con un gringo para blanquear la raza. And my husband is Jewish, so I did end up marrying a white man. But it wasn't because he was white. But I had to really think about that. And I'm like, I've, I've been with him. And the reason why we're together at the record show is because our priorities align the most out of everyone that I had ever dated. He's the first white guy I ever dated. And I remember thinking to myself, am I with him because of potential self-hatred that I have because I don't like the color of my skin? Like, this is literally a conversation I'm having with myself that white Latinas don't have to worry about. Let's be real. You know, so I remember growing up saying, like, hearing, like, oh, you know, make sure you marry a white man with good hair so your kids come out light-skinned with good hair. And it took a lot of unlearning to get over that stuff. You know, it, after when you're five years old and your aunts and people that you're supposed to love and that are supposed to love you are calling your hair a rat's nest, you know, like, what does that do? And I had no self-esteem for the longest. And... I mean, thank God I came out on the other side and I love my curly hair and I rock it curly all everywhere I go. I work in politics. I'm the only person that looks like me in every space that I'm in. And I wear that as a badge of honor now. Right. Um, and my, my daughter has curly hair. And it's interesting how many people comment on how beautiful her curly hair is. You know, so I've I've definitely seen a shift and I've seen a change and it makes me really happy. Um, yesterday was Indig Indigenous Peoples Day and we went out and we celebrated Indigenous Peoples Day and so many people commented on how beautiful her curly hair is. And I just think about what if that was me? What if when I was her age, two years old, instead of hearing, I tiene pelo malo, I was hearing how beautiful your curly hair. Right? So... I think the the reality is any country that has been colonized, which is basically the whole world, you know, Europe colonized all of Latin America, all of Central America, El Caribe, Africa, in like Asia, it, the whole world was colonized. So that's that's its legacy. Colorism, institutional racism, the reason why these things continue to perpetuate and plague our societies is because we haven't gotten over it and we're not going to get over it unless we talk about it and we call it out for what it is. However, at the same light, I think it is important for us to celebrate the small progress that we make because how, like for me, seeing our stories on stage and making the money that they made, because let's be honest, we live in a capitalistic society. So this, this is important. The fact that his his movies and his plays are so profitable are showing the white capitalistic society that we have buying power. 
it shows our capitalistic society that we are here and we're consumers and we care about our stories being out there you know so for me i think i think anything everything in life is complicated <laughs> but i think that's the wonder of it right like we 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 don't have it right he didn't get it right i love me i love me some lynn but he didn't get it right and i think it's hard once you get so much name recognition like lynn um because your circle changes, right? Like for me, I have a very diverse circle that's keeping me in check about my privileges. Yes, I am a woman of color, but I I grew up in a Christian household. That's privilege. Christianity is the religion that the US, our holidays are based off of, right? I'm also an able-bodied woman. So I, I have friends that keep me in check about my ignorance when it comes to that, you know? So I don't know if maybe he just didn't have enough people in his circle, like telling him, you know, like obviously as someone as educated as him, it would have been great if he, if he picked it up himself, if he had, but not one person can get it right. And the reality is the Latin community is not a monolith. There were a lot of other things that weren't represented. Like I didn't see people in wheelchairs. I I didn't see individuals, you know, that are hard of hearing. I didn't see hearing aids. I didn't see individuals with walking sticks. And you know what I mean? Like there's, there's, and not just like African, there's a lot of like Indian and Asian Latinos. And I didn't see them on screen either. So we can poke holes as we should while still celebrating the fact that for one of the first times ever, other than like West Side Story, which let's, let's be honest, it's been a long time since West Side Story, um, that our stories are being out on screen. I, I completely agreed because this is not something new. Um, there was a short film called Risto, which I, I talked about on my, on, on my Instagram. Um, that talks about how even from when we we're little, we we watch. I remember wh- one time I did question my mom, and I was asking. I was like, "The people that are in TV, do they come from one particular part of Mexico?" And my mom was like, "Why are you asking me that question?" I'm like, "Because they don't look like my Mexican neighbors. Like, do they like you know?" And and this was just me because there was also not enough of other Latinos to talk about. Like we have more content that are by and like by and maybe like for like Mexican and Mexican American. Um, and so that was like the, the culture that was the most accessible um, to me at that time. And with the novelas and everything, it's always been that way. Um, I remember even in um, Univision um, when the first, you know, um, Afro-Latina reporter became like an anchor on their major national news. It what it made news itself that we have like an Afro-Latina as an as a news anchor, and that was not that long ago. That was when when Trump was be- uh, was about to become president. So that was not that long ago, um, and. Uh, and and that was a really big deal. So I think that we're still struggling with it. My whole thing is like where we're going now and when 
what can we do about it? And us as, as creatives and as creators and as writers and storytellers, what is then our responsibility? Because even as I craft um, stories, there are, including other Latinos are like, that's not gonna sell because uh, your story is about Dominicans and not Mexican. I've, I've heard that. Um, and, you know, your story is not going to sell because it's too specific to like Dominican culture um, or things like things like, oh, there's uh, there's too much Spanish. Or that, you know what I mean? Like there's still these barriers. And so right. I can understand that there was at least one person in the room, even if that person had said something, somebody would have just shut it down right away, including other Latinos that are probably on on top, which I see that all the time. I feel like we don't we don't protect the other the other people that are trying to rise up either um so what yeah. is like for somebody who you know we're we're watching tv we're consuming all of these stories i'm consuming these stories i'm watching i'm also criticizing i love something like vida and one day at a time but i'm the first one to tell you they're lacking in a lot of stuff <laughs> they're not perfect um but i can still i can still you know, laugh at some of the jokes and relate to some of the storylines. What do you hope to see, especially now that we're having things like West Side Story that is being remade? Um, we have Maya and the Three that is coming out as a, as a kid's movie. We also have, um, I'm not sure if you know, but we have this really nice, um, and on PBS, we have this uh, new animated story for kids called I'm Alma's Way. And it's about a girl who's in a way. Bronx. Love it. And she just yes. also happens to be Afro-Latina. Um, you know, yep. so um, where do you where do you see us going after this conversation? Because this conversation that we've had has been had like for a long time. And when this came out in June, this was all I heard. So besides conversing, where do you see this going and what can we as creatives do to make it a little bit more inclusive and authentic? Definitely. I mean, I think there's a lot that we can do. I think as creatives, the first thing that we need to do is acknowledge that it's our responsibility to be as educated as possible. If we're going to be out there portraying our stories and our histories, we need to do research. You know, like even if the research is in our backyard, you know, and in addition to doing research, I think another really important thing that isn't talked about enough is mentorship, 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 mentorship. You have a lot of, well, more than before, you have, you know, Latin representation. And as we both acknowledge, it's not as diverse as it should be. Instead of always hitting up and tapping the same people to be the cultural ambassadors for everything, they need to be out there and mentoring other people. Like, again, I love me some Lynn, but he's in everything now. And I'm happy for him and for his success, but he is a Puerto, he's a white Puerto Rican man. And he's being tapped for stories that feature, Colum you know, are based in Colombia, are based on other cultures that aren't necessarily his. And I, I think we should continue to tap him, but we need to like make sure that we don't just have one person that's a representation for a whole culture, you know? So 
I think it's important for those of us that are in positions that our stories are actually being told that we need to mentor other people in our community that tend to be in the more marginalized section to make sure that their perspectives and their stories are uplifted, right? Like for me, the only reason I was actually able to get published, I'll tell you flat out, is because of mentorship. I applied for a mentorship called Las Musas and I got it. And I had the privilege of working with an author that had an agent and that had book deals and that had books coming out. So I got that industry insight in, in any media career, whether it's publishing or film or it's, it's so competitive. It's, it's the reason why Lynn even started writing because he kept getting casted as like a janitor as a maid, right? Mm-hmm. Or as the best friend. So I think it's important for people like Lynn to mentor other people that don't look like him to make sure that their stories are also being heard because he's going to keep getting tapped. Why? Because he's amazingly talented. And yes, boo, get it. Get all the deals. Right. But while you're getting all the deals, if you're getting tapped for a project, um, like we I just watched Vivo like six times. And so that's what I have <laughs> in the top of my head. Like make sure that we're also tapping actual Cubans for the project. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I would say as our as storytellers, our main responsibilities are to do our research to make sure that we have it right. And then to also pay it forward. If we have the opportunity and the privilege to have our stories being told, it is our our responsibility to make more room at the table. Get your hammer, get your wood, and make the table bigger. Because there is room. And as for the stuff that you're hearing, que se vaya el carajo, okay? Them saying, oh, your story's not specific, it's too specific, oh, your stuff isn't going to sell because it's Dominican, is 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 I'm bleeping myself out, but no, it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. If anything, my editors in the books that I that I'm working on that are being traditionally published by big four publishers, the four biggest publishers in the entire world. Okay, the one thing that all of my editors have said is the more specific it is, the easier it is. To resonate with it so it's it's not right it, what they're telling you is not true um the just the fact that it's specific there is a parallel in another culture right so the best the best example i can leaning into one of my 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 stories platanos are love i wrote it very specifically from the dominican perspective because that's where I'm from. And that's where I can speak knowledgeably from, right? Um, And the recipes are more quintessential Dominican recipes. But I have friends from all over the world, right? Like we, Dominicano, we call it tostones. Puerto Riqueño también. In Colombia, they call it patacones. So even though I'm not using the word patacón, they still know what I'm talking about. And they're, they're still going to be like, oh, see, that's like 
what we eat, right? Ma- Dominicans for breakfast, we eat mango, mashed up platano after we boil it and yummy, delicious, right? And Cubans eat something very similar. They eat fufu. It's very similar. The slight difference is that in their water, they put a little bit of lemon in it. So it does have a slight difference. What if, if, if anything, what being specific does is it gives your reader and your audience, whoever your audience is, whether it's print, whether it's media, it gives them the opportunity to research, right? It gives them an opportunity to see the mirrors where they can see themselves, but then also opportunities for them to see where there are differences so that we as a society can realize that not all Latinos are a monolith because for so long, all Latinos look like JLo. And when I went to college, everyone just, everyone thought that I was just black. And don't get me wrong, I will represent, yes, I am black. I am proud to say that I'm black, but that's not the only part of my identity. And we like to compartmentalize people to make them easier to understand. And we try to put people in neat boxes, but people aren't boxes. We're onions, we're complicated, we have layers, you know? So basically, que se, que se vayan al, you know? They're wrong. The more specific it is, the better. Because other individuals that are not Dominicans will be able to see themselves in the text. But Puerto Ricans, Cubans, Mexicans will be able to see themselves in some of the parallels. So I I, I know I kind of rambled on there, but no, but I, I mean <laughs> I, I, hope I, I completely agree. I also feel like you have you can knock on all their doors, like you know, like you were talking about mentorship, because I ended up just also having that feeling of ah this is not this is not authentically me and uh and so I ended up knocking on other doors and you know what there was one person that was like you know this like what what you said it was like the more specific it is um the more authentic it is to you you have to write what you know and what what you researched as well and, and what you learn and um it actually did propel me to do a lot more research on um the history of our little island and, and um the Dominican Republic um and then Haiti and everything else that that goes along with it um I really enjoyed having this conversation with you I think the whole mentorship thing I always say pass the mic you know like in some sort of in, in some award ceremonies I feel like some celebrities they pass the mic to somebody who's who has like an important message and I feel like that whole thing of mentorship goes with that along with it because as as you were talking about Lynn I was thinking of when I was growing up the only person that that people knew that was Latina was JLo and so but not everyone has its JLo story so we have to continuously push for um for the one the people that are in power and the people that have this little bit of privilege to to kind of you know Let's spread it. Let's spread the love. Let's spread it around. Let's let's spread um our opportunities around, um because you don't know where we're gonna be and uh who's gonna give you that helping hand later on, but also as you said, I feel like the table is big enough, and I think that now with so many streaming services and and so 
uh, many ways to consume content, so many ways to read a book, to tell a story. Um, it's it's big enough and people are craving new, original, authentic content. And I think that if we give the same, I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I do, you know, become very um, like bored and I'm like, ay, otra vez, lo mismo, the same story or the same Another like remake. Yeah. Or they use the same actors over and over again as the only Latinos. And I'm like, I know she's Latina. I am happy for her. But who else? Who else is out there who's craving these roles? Why are they not getting it? Um, and, and I hope that that along, alongside capitalism, even though I, you know, I have issues with capitalism, but that it somehow propels creatives and executives forward to create new like take um a what is it take a risk in creating stories um that are for communities that weren't or haven't been represented accurately um in our community um Alyssa thank you so much for being here any final words um for anyone who's listening or watching about this sort of topic. And this is something that, you know, this is not the first or the last time I'm going to be talking about it or I'm going to be bringing people in to talk about. Um, but I just thought, you know, you know, you you are not 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 just a, a creator, but you're, you're a mother as well. And I just felt like there's a response, there's like a different response. And forgive me, you know, I'm not a mother, but I do have goddaughters. And I feel like there's like this extra responsibility that I feel to them. Um, to portray our culture and portray it as accurately as I, I can possibly can. Any final words? Yeah, no, I just, gracias. Thank you so much for bringing me on. I think, you know, it's important that we keep talking about it. I know it's been talked about before, but the reason why we need to keep talking about it is because with every generation comes a new challenge, right? Like, with my my grandmother, she immigrated from the Dominican Republic to the United States. And she would always talk about Trujillo, the vicious dictator that he was and how he was in power for, you know, over 30 years. And I grew up listening to the Mirabal sister story. And then I got to read their their books in, in the time of the butterflies by Julia Alvarez and for me, reading Julia Alvarez's stories was the first time I ever saw my stories on the page. And, but Julia is a white Latina. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to continue to support her and her stories because once upon a time, they were the only story out there where I could actually relate to and hear my stories and hear my people, right? Um, so I think if if I can leave everyone with anything, it's there's room. There's room. When growing up, my grandmother used to tell me stories of our ancestors and all these like beautiful stories. And I actually one thing that I will share is when I was seven years old, I knew I wanted to be a writer. And I actually found the first book that I had ever written. When I was like decluttering my stuff, I was seven years old and I found it and I keep it on my desk as like my motivation. And 
I wrote a b- the book is me talking about wanting to be an author so that kids all over the world could read my story. And I read this as an adult and I'm like crying because it's like, oh my God, I'm actually doing this thing. I can tell seven-year-old Alyssa, you did it, lo hiciste. You're doing it, right? And I had traded in my, you know, desire to be a writer for more um, realistic career choices. So I, I actually majored in political science because the other thing that my grandmother always told me is even though your rights should be respected and they should be yours, they can be taken away at any point in time. Right. And I think that's a parallel between our political world, which is my other world and our literary world. If we're not actively exercising and engaging in these conversations over and over again, then someone else is going to tell our narrative. Someone else is going to decide our future for us. You know, like, yes, we've been had this conversation, but with any every new generation, we have to keep fighting for it. It's not it's not a guarantee because there are powers that be that are going to try to take that away. So there is room. Know that there is room. If you have a story to tell, tell it, write it, scream it, whatever you need to do, do it. And just you have to keep fighting. We have to keep having these conversations over and over again. And when we get tired, we have to take that rest and then go back at it. And hopefully while you're taking your rest, someone else is out there hustling, slinging the same message because we can't do one person can't do it all. You know, so there's room, there's room, there's room. If you have a story to tell, tell it. Mentorship is important. And it's important that wherever you see other people that don't look like you, not just in media, but in every space that you're in, that you're bringing other people to the table. That is our responsibility. That's it. (laughs) Thank you so much. Uh, for leaving us with this message and also for reminding us, you know, that we all have our little sueñito and that, you know, it may take a while, but it does in some way or another, it's, it wants to be fulfilled and we just need to, you know, put all of our, of our energy into doing that and, um, and bringing other along in our journey and our success. Um, not to be, you know, selfish, especially when we get to the top, um, to, to mentor others and to give the mic to other people to talk. And I, that, that's it. That's you. I mean, you said it all. Um, I definitely want to have you back for other, other conversations, but thank you so much. And I'm going to, um, put the link down below to your website so people can check out, um, what you've been up to and then to keep up with what you will be accomplishing very soon.